I don't know if you heard of the name of Jared Wilson, but he was the associate pastor for a really, really, really big church in Southern California. And he was really um, popular for his work in mental health advocacy. And uh, he was really open about the fact that he struggled with suicidal thoughts and with depression. And because of that, he founded a thing called Anthem of Hope to really help people that are struggling with depression, with suicidal thoughts. And he has this quote that is just amazing. And it says, he said, loving Jesus does not always cure suicidal thoughts. Loving Jesus does not always cure depression. Loving Jesus does not always cure post-traumatic stress disorder. Loving Jesus does not always cure anxiety. But that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't offer us companionship and comfort. He always does that. But have you ever forgotten that? Well, Jared Wilson, who again, associate pastor for this really large church in Southern California, has been hugely instrumental in mental health, uh, committed suicide this week. And it seems that he forgot that God always wants to provide comfort and companionship. And I don't know if you're like me, but it's really easy, no matter what you struggle with, what I struggle with, even if it is those things or if it's not those things, how easy it is to forget that God is always offering companionship and comfort for those of us who are his kids. Even for Jesus, Jesus, as he was on this earth, he would withdraw from people to be with his Father. He would go into um, desolate places very early while it was still dark to be with his Father. He didn't act like it was a long-distance relationship. And if you were here last week, we talked about, we started this series where we're talking about prayer. We're specifically focused on the Lord's Prayer and how we so often can treat it like we're in this long-distance relationship with God, but that's not at all true. You know, I talked last week about how Sarah and I, we were in a long-distance relationship, and in it, like, we'd be too busy to talk, we'd be too tired sometimes to talk, and uh, when we would talk, she'd fall asleep on the phone, and so I'd have to worry about, was she really listening? And we treat God like that, and, um, but that's not true. In fact, God is always ready for us to come to Him. He's always um, ready to offer companionship and comfort, and because we can so easily forget it's so important that we know, understand, and experience the companionship and the comfort of God. That is one of the reasons why we're really going to spend several, several weeks focusing on the Lord's Prayer. And if you look at our lives, you look at my life, you look at your life, chances are from a functional standpoint or from a practical standpoint, we really don't know how to pray. And what's so cool is that Jesus gave us this awesome teaching on prayer, and it came right in the middle of Matthew chapter 5 through 7. It's the longest teaching of Jesus, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And right in the middle of this teaching, Jesus said, and when you pray, and when you pray, and when you pray. Three times he said, and when you pray. And the, the point of it is that we do pray, but when we pray, he gave us this awesome direction of how it is that we can pray. And if you have a Bible, you can flip open to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 15. Um, we're going to read 9 through 15, but to be honest with you, we're going to talk about two words today. That's it. But to make sure we understand how it is that we are to pray, um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 
through, actually, let's do 9 through 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, may we come to you today seeking your companionship, seeking your comfort, and may we hear from you in a profound way. In the awesome name of Jesus, amen. The Lord's Prayer. Many of us probably know it. We could recite it. We could probably be half asleep, woken up in the middle of the night. We could still recite it. Um, for me, I played basketball in high school. You may look at me and say, I'm not sure if he's telling the truth. I, I really am telling the truth. I did play basketball. By play basketball, I sat on the bench. But one of the things that we did every single game, and I grew up going to a public school, is we all, at the direction of our coach, we had to sit in a circle, hold hands, and say the Lord's Prayer before the game. And one time, we said the Lord's Prayer, and our coach said, come on, say it right this time. Do it again. And I don't know what we did that we did it wrong, but we apparently did it wrong. We didn't say it with enough oomph or something. I don't know what it was, but I think that we can sometimes treat the Lord's Prayer like it's this magical prayer that if we just repeat it, then everything will be good. Um, but I think it's more than just words for us to repeat. It's not just this magical prayer. Um, it's more than um, more. Uh, it's not more powerful the more times you say it. Like if we had a particularly big game, there were times where we'd say it twice, and if we said it wrong, we'd say it twice. And but I think that we can kind of do that with the Lord's Prayer. But I do think that it can almost be a form that if we kind of learn from the Lord's Prayer, that can take our prayer life and make it real, rich, and radical. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But again, we're going to go through this, the Lord's Prayer, for several weeks, and we're going to break it down into smaller, uh, bite-sized chunks. And today we're going to talk about two words. We're going to talk about our Father. That word Father, first and foremost, kind of means um, creator. And no matter who's in this room, I don't know if you know this, but you have a Father. You had someone who was a participant in the fact that you are now here. You had a Father. Now, how good of a father they were, we'll, we'll talk through in a minute, but you all have a father. And so when we go to God, we should see that the same, like we have a father, we have a creator. And the Bible teaches us that, that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, that we were knitted together in a special place by God. And so what happens is oftentimes when we go to the Lord, we say, our father, hallowed be thy name. And we, you just kind of roll down rather than really thinking about what it is that you're saying. But when you're praying, I'm big on words, and when we're praying, we say, our Father, stop, our Creator, the one that created everything that you see, and it just in and of itself, that would radically change your prayer life, if rather than saying, Father God, thank you for today, like, Father, Creator, the one that knitted me together in my mother's womb. You know, last year at the greenhouse, there were 16 babies be born. 
It's a lot of babies. So if you're looking for uh, something to do, we could always use help in the nursery. Um, and then so far this year, there's been more of them, correct? But there's something that happens when you become a father, and it changes your understanding of that word father. But again, I think what we can do is we can say our father, and we just start praying, rather than stopping and saying our creator. But it goes on from that. You know, a father is more than just one who creates. A father is one who's a protector. A father is the one who, who gives security, who gives love, who cares, who provides, who teaches, who gives boundaries. Fathers who disciplines. How many people remember, you wait till your dad gets home? Anybody ever have that? I had that one. Man, I hated that. That usually meant that I was going to get a paddle. I probably should have got more paddles than what I did. But <laughs> a father spends time with their kids, feeds their kids, cleans up their kids, is gentle, is patient, is consistent, is gracious. How would it change your prayer life if you don't just say, Father God, but if you say, Father, Creator, Provider, the one who wants to spend time with me, Father, the one who's so patient with me. Again, I think we can not dive deep into the word, Father. When I think of my life, I think of a couple of my favorite stories of my dad or things about my dad, my earthly father. At, at night, there were oftentimes where I was scared, of, specifically of thunderstorms. We also had a burglar alarm that would go off at all the wrong times. Like, we never had a burglar, but it went off like 10, 15 times. It'd scare you half to death. And, um, but I remember when I was scared, I would call out to my dad. And when he'd come into my room, the fear would melt away. My dad goes here, if you've ever seen him. He probably couldn't stop a burglar if he came in. He's not like the toughest guy in town. <laughs> no offense. But the fear melted away. There was something about my father's presence that took fear away. How would it change your prayer life if you say, Father, the one who will melt away the fear? Another time in my life... Um, of my father, again, I should have got more, more paddles than I got, but at one point, I was probably maybe six, seven, and I decided as I was, I was going to play outside, and in the garage, I found a can of spray paint, and I decided that one of the best things to do would not be spray paint our house, because that would be stupid. I would go next door and spray paint the neighbor's house. So I sprayed all over their bushes, on the brick, yeah, I do say you're a bad kid, but you know, I don't want to tell you all the true stories about me. No, you're not a bad kid. Wait till your dad gets home, That's what I heard that day. When I got home, my dad had this big old paddle. And I got a couple. But he explained to me why. He didn't come home mad and just boom. He said to me, look, if you continue in this path, it is going to be so dangerous for you. And I can't let you do that because I love you and I care about you. And then he whacked me. (laughs) (laughs) 
But how would it change your prayer life when you're going through something hard? When you're in a mess of your own making and you feel the discipline of the Lord? You can say, God, stop the discipline. Or you can say, God, I, I deserve this. It changes our prayer life. Our prayer becomes real. It becomes radical. It becomes raw. When we don't just say our Father or Father God, we, but we know what we mean when we say Father. Another story in my childhood, um, thinking about my father, my dad, um, probably words of affirmation are big in, for him because they, he speaks them so much to me. I mean, you couldn't walk through the house without hearing I love you. But how would it change my prayer life if when I go to God, I say, Father, the one who's showering me and telling me that he loves me, but not just telling me he loves me, but showing me he loves me. Father. Even now, um, as I'm older, when I think of my father, if there's a big decision that's coming in my life, I want him to weigh in on it. How has it changed when I say, Father, there are big decisions coming and I want you to weigh in on this? Um, when I was a kid, I remember a specific time that, uh, again, I played basketball and I actually um, won the game for our team. It was like we were down by two and I hit like a last second shot to go into overtime and then overtime with like no time left on the clock. I had gotten fouled and we were down by one and I got two free throws and I made both of them and we won the game and I was like the hero. That only happened one time. We were playing a terrible team. But <laughs> my dad was proud. When you think of your earthly father, forget that, you think of your heavenly father. Have there ever been any moments where you feel like he would be proud? When you say father, do you see him proud of you? Maybe you could say if you saw my life, there wouldn't be much to be proud of. I bet you there are moments though. My dad... When we got home, he took like a notebook piece of paper and he wrote out like the story of the game. He was proud. And if we go to God and we say, Father, the one who is proud of his son. I, I don't know who it was. I think it might have been Kyle that said something. This sounds terrible, but it's true. He said, you know, I have this beautiful child. And if this child killed somebody, I'd still love him, love her. There's something about a father that you, you love your kid. And it's not even like you, you tried to or you meant to. It just happened. When you go to God, do you say, Father? Does it mean something when you say, Father? I don't know about you. Um, I'm going to ask this, and just with a word, a short phrase, is there anything that anybody thinks of when they think of their earthly father that they think of that's positive? You can say it out. Hmm? Anybody? You got to talk loud. I can't hear. Yeah. He was a friend. Anybody else? Hard worker? 
patient, dedicated, sacrificial. In a room this size, though, I'm sure that there are people who probably would have things that they would have a hard time. If they try to picture God as Father, and they take the term Father that they know, they have a hard time picturing God as Father. I think sometimes when we say Father, we can think through those good things, and it can give us a better picture of who God is, but we can also probably look at the negative things and flip them. Father, the one that didn't leave me when I was two years old. Father, the one that didn't yell at me for no reason or because he was having a bad day. Father, the one that has never raised his hand toward me. Father, the one who is not too busy for me. Father, the one who does way more than merely tolerate me. Father, the one that is not irritated by me in every little thing that I do. Father, the one who didn't just let me do whatever I wanted. When I was a kid, I really thought like, man, when I become a dad, I want to let my kid do whatever they want. And teenagers, you guys are saying the same thing right now. You're saying, when I grow up, I'm going to let my kids do whatever they want. No, you won't. If they let you do whatever you wanted, it, you would have a miserable existence and you would long for discipline. Father, when you go to God and you say Father and you really take the gravity of that word Father and you allow your mind to picture who it is that you're talking to, your prayers will be real, they'll be raw. To be radical. But as I was thinking through that this week, I was like, you know, Father, I mean, there's, there's so much in that word, but there's actually even more in that word than what we first think. If you look up that word in the Greek, it actually refers to both parents. So if it's about your mom... I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going to share this. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but I just, as soon as I thought of my mom, this is one of the first things that popped in my head. My brother always got in trouble. He was even worse than I was. And so one particular day, I decided I had this perfect idea. I was going to take a rubber band, and I was going to attach it to the little side faucet in the kitchen. You know what I'm talking about? The little one that you, like, wash dishes with. And I put a rubber band around it, so right before my mom was getting ready to cook dinner. So she walked in, she turned that faucet on, just sprayed all over that was the first thing I thought of when I thought of my mom. Sorry. <laughs> I called dad weak. I figured I should say something bad about you too. <laughs> but your mom, man, gentle, caring. My mom used to make, uh, not always, but several years made Halloween costumes. And when I was thinking about my mom and thinking about her making those clothes, it immediately made me think of Genesis chapter 3, right after Adam and Eve sin, and what do you see God, Father, doing? Sewing clothes to hide the shame that the kids had from sin. But a word, it's not just mom, it's not just dad, it doesn't just um, shine on both parents. 
It also means a person respected for their age or dignity. I have a grandparent. I know someone pretty well whose father was abusive. And when his grandfather would see that his dad was in a particularly bad mood, his grandfather would come get him. Protector. Shield from the enemy. Father. Maybe in your life you had someone who is a mentor. When you say father, there are attributes from that mentor that you might be able to see in God. Same thing with a, a good teacher. So when you put it all together, when we say father, what we're saying is father. We're saying father, it can be mother, it can be a grandfather, a grandmother, an awesome teacher, and a mentor, a great neighbor. It's all wrapped into one. But here's the thing. It's not that we see God through the lens of those things. We see those things through the lens of God. That's a weird way to say it, but, but God is the perfect Father. And so anything that you ever saw as a good Father, it's because of the great Father. And as I was thinking about this this week, I started thinking, you know what? If I call Him Father, it means I'm a son. If I call him father, it means I'm son. It means your son, your daughter. When you say father, that means you are a son or a daughter of the creator. Talk about identity. There's so much wrapped in that little thing. But if you understand yourself as a son or as a daughter, that means all of the rights you get. It means that you have an inheritance, maybe small, maybe big, but you have an inheritance when you are a son or a daughter. It means that their name came to you, that it covers you, that they're going to be responsible for you. Also, as a kid, I remember um, I didn't get to make the decision of where we went on vacation. I didn't get to decide the route that we would take while we were driving to go on vacation. A son or a daughter means that you don't get to lead. It means that you're not the guide. It means that you have one who will guide and one who will lead. A son or a daughter means that the father will lead, will provide, will decide, will guide. I don't know about you, but when I think of myself as a kid, like I said, I probably deserved more paddles than I got. I, I oftentimes... Um, did a lot of things I would not have wanted to, whether it was drawing with marker on the walls, whether it was leaving a wet towel on a wood floor that left a huge stain, whether it was hitting Chad Walter in the face with a two-by-four on the first day of kindergarten, any of the things that I may or may not but definitely did do, when I look at myself as a child, Sometimes I wonder, why did my parents love me? Because it's father, it's mother. 
When I look at myself, I think of myself as oftentimes defiant, kicking and screaming, complaining, whining, trying to do what I wanted to do, when I wanted to do it, how I wanted to do it, and learning how to manipulate the system. My brother argued about everything. So my brother would come home, and it would be 12.01, he'd be home at 12, and he'd get grounded, and he'd be like, that's so stupid, I'm grounded, I shouldn't be grounded, and I, I wouldn't want to come home at 12, I want to start my curfew to be later, and my dad would be like, okay, well, next time you need to come home at 11.30, and he'd just keep on going, okay, 11, and it, eventually he'd have to come home like at 9, and then eventually you just wouldn't even be allowed to go out. And I learned, well, I can manipulate the system, my dad says he's got to come home at 12, I'll, I'll try to be home by 11.30. You can stay out till 12.30. Like, I learned how to manipulate the system. <laughs> Kids, if you just say yes every time and do what you're asked, your parents will do a lot more for you, I promise. Might be shocked, like, what? I can trust you? Yes. But when I think of myself, I so often think of myself as thinking I knew a better way. So when I go to God and I say, Father... I think of my father who wants to protect me, the father who disciplines me, the father who, who's proud of me, the father who loves me, who doesn't merely tolerate me, but I also see myself as a son or a daughter. You know what that makes me do? It makes me see a defiant, often unruly kid. And I don't know if you're like me, but it blows my mind that God would love me. And not only love me, but love me so much that he would give his son. When I think of father and son, it immediately makes me think of Luke chapter 15. If you know much about the Bible, that's where God um, shares through Jesus the, the, the story of the prodigal son. It's this crazy story. It's this story... Um, of a, of a boy who decides that he wants his share of the inheritance right now. Can you imagine that awkward conversation? Hey, Dad, I was just wondering. Uh, I know I'm going to get half of everything later. Could I just have it now? In a way, what he's saying is, Dad, I want your blessings, but I don't want you. What he's kind of saying is, I don't want you to be my father anymore. And his father says, okay, his father gives him the money, and it says that he takes a journey to a faraway land, and he squanders his wealth with reckless living. When I think of myself as a child, I think of oftentimes squandering the things that God had given me with reckless living. Well, the son realizes that this hasn't worked, that there's a problem. I've told dad, my dad that he's not my father anymore. But this really is not good. What do I do? And he says, you know what, I'll go to my dad, and I'm going to rehearse this. I'm going to go to my dad and say, hey, I'm sorry. I, I, can I just be one of your servants? So he goes back, and it says that his father sees him while he was a long way off. His dad was watching for him. Dad was watching for him. His dad, the, the kid said basically, forget you, Dad. Give me your money. I want your money. I don't want you. And yet, while he was a far way off, his dad saw him. His dad was watching for him, and his dad ran to him. His dad ran to him and embraced him and kissed him. 
his son has recklessly given and destroyed every bit and squandered every bit of wealth that he had. And yet he sees his son and he runs to him and he gives him a a robe. He gives him a ring. He kills the fattened calf and has a feast. It would be awesome if the story was the dad said, yeah, I'll let you be a servant. I'll let you back in. You can be a servant. But that's not what happens. He says, you will not be a servant. You are my son. How would it change your prayer life when you go to God if you fully grasp what it means for him to be father and for you to be son? I would love to say that I've fully grasped it, but I haven't. But one of the things that I can honestly say is I try to to get up every morning to spend time in the Word and in prayer. And in those moments, I truly, truly, it didn't always start like this. It doesn't always feel like this. But I truly can feel like I am like going and sitting with my Father, my Heavenly Father. And I begin hearing what He thinks about me rather than hearing what I think about me. I begin understanding more of what it means for him to be my father, and I begin to understand more of what it means for me to be his son. And it truly changes everything. And and, and, and I'm not a servant. I am a son. You are not a servant. You are a son. You are a daughter of the Most High God. When we go to him, we say, our father. We're not a servant we're a son, and it made me think of Galatians chapter 4, verse 5 through 7. It's talking about why God sent Jesus. It says, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent you the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. If you have gotten to a point in your life where you have, in essence, trusted Jesus to take away all that defiant, unruly kid that is in you and forgive you of that, you are no longer a servant. You are no longer a slave. You have been adopted by God, and you are a son or a daughter. And then it says, you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir. If we truly go to God and we say, Father, and we know what we mean when we say it, we begin to understand that more and more and more. We understand what it means to be a son of God. It takes this form prayer that you just remember and you just repeat. And it gives you this like outline of how to pray. You go to God and you say, my father, my creator, the one that disciplines me, the one who doesn't just tolerate me but loves me, who, who when he's proud of me, writes down all that he's so excited about that he saw in me. You see a father who gives good gifts. Man, it is, it's powerful. The Lord's prayer is powerful when we see him as father and we see ourselves as sons and daughters. Second word, it was a long 
long one word. Second word, it's actually the first word that's said. Our Father. It doesn't say my Father. It doesn't say some of our fathers. It says our Father. When when Jesus would have been saying this to the people, the people he would have been saying it to would have been Jewish people who would not have liked non-Jewish people, would not have liked Gentiles very much. They also hated Samaritans, which they viewed to be like half-breeds. They wanted those people excluded from God's love. When we say our Father, what we're saying is that that does not exclude anyone because of their Race, color, sex, religion they practice. God loves all of them. It also doesn't exclude that boss or that person at work that drives you nuts. It doesn't exclude your neighbor. Like, I'm supposed to love all people except for him. It also doesn't exclude people that struggle with this particular sin or that particular sin. It doesn't give permission for us to um, go after or hate people who have um, struggled with this or that. People who've maybe even had an abortion. Or people who are addicted. It doesn't exclude the people who are lying, cheating, or stealing, even at this exact moment. That's where I was. And it didn't, I wasn't excluded from becoming a son. When we see that word, our Father, it reminds me of John 3.16, for God so loved some people, no, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. I think of 1 Timothy 2.6, that he died as a ransom for all. It makes me think of 2 Timothy 2.4, that he desires that all people will be saved. It makes me think of John chapter 12, verse 32, that says that Jesus says, when he, go, when he says, when I go to the Father, I will draw all people to myself. The fact that when we pray, we say our Father, it means that it doesn't include, exclude people that have wandered away. And that's good news for you and for me because how many times have we wandered? Is it in the song, Come Thy Fount, where there's a line that says something like, though I've wandered? I can't remember what it says, but it's, I, I love that portion of the song. It, it doesn't exclude those who have wandered away once or twice or a dozen times. It doesn't exclude you. God wants to be your father. Not in an imperfect way that we maybe saw our earthly father. He wants to be a perfect father. That is good news for us. So I want to ask a couple questions. Do you know him as father? Are you... Understanding what it means to be a son or to be a daughter. If not, today can be that day.
And if your answer is yes, my challenge and my encouragement is to join me in seeking to pray our Father. One of the things that... um, that I think is that it will truly change how we pray. It would change how we see other people and it would change how we act toward other people. As a kid, one other story, we had a uh, front porch on our house. My mom always wanted the front porch to be like a nicer front porch and not just like columns. And so she would kind of urge my dad to to finished the front porch, and so one particular summer, he got all the wood, and he was cutting everything, and he was making a front porch, and I remember being outside and watching him make it, and I remember thinking, I kind of want to help, but I would just kind of stand at a distance, and I finally kind of got the nerve, and I was like, hey, Dad, can I, can I help? He's like, yeah. I um, love working with my hands. I wanted to be a carpenter. and I, But I really think a lot goes back to that moment. So when I think of Father, I think of the one who invites us in to join him in his work. And if you go back to that verse that I talked about, what is God's job? What is God up to? His job, what he's up to is to redeem people, to take, to help people understand that they are no longer slaves, but they can be a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And our Father is saying, come join me in the front porch. Join me as I show people that that I want to be their Father too. I want them to understand what it means to be a son and a daughter. When we pray, do we say, our Father? It's intimate. It's personal. We have a Father that's warm and welcoming, who's a true Father, the actual Father, the great Father, who will be our everlasting Father. He's not distant. He's not impersonal. He's not just a ruler. You and I, we can forget. That's why we pray our Father, so that we will remember that He's our Father and that we are His sons and daughters. And when we do that, the things that He shows us and teaches us about Him being a Father and us being a son just go deep into our identity where He begins to speak to us and tell us who we really are. See, what happens is we forget and we begin believing so many lies. And what happens is, is God takes those lies and He moves them and He gives us the truth to believe. When we go to him and we call him our father, we go to him for companionship and comfort. Our prayers become rich, they become real, they become radical, they become raw. If he is our father, then we are his sons and daughters and we're invited to join him in his work. That's why we say our father. Um... One of those things in there was father, but it also was mother. But remember, it was also someone who has a little bit more age, person of dignity. Um, 
we can show people who our Heavenly Father is by loving on them. Um, there are a lot of people that don't really understand what Father means because what they see at home has tainted them. And God has given us an opportunity to where we can show people our Father. And there's lots of ways that we can do that. But one particular way is, is to mentor. Um, there's lots of ways that you can do that. And what's been so cool is watching um, my wife, who always had a passion for young people and seeing it just in a way, change shape. To not just, just teach the kids, but to find other people who want to pour into the kids. And um, I'll tell you this, that I um, re reluctantly decided to start mentoring a couple kids, and Sarah decided to give me um, some doozies. Uh, I go hang out with them for about 40 minutes, once a week, during their lunch at school. It's been really cool. But I want to share a story. One of the kids, the last day of school, I went to, um, to go to the school, and I told him I would come sometime during the last week. And I decided to wait until the very last day because they were having, like, a party and stuff. I got there, and he was acting really weird toward me. Like, didn't want to talk to me. And I was like, I'll call him Billy. I was like, hey, Billy, what's up? And he wouldn't talk to me. I kept pushing on him. What's going on? Get over here. What's going on? He goes, I thought you weren't coming. And I said to him, I said, man, I told you I was coming. I, it means I'm coming. And he said, I didn't believe you. I'd love to say, like, I'm this great guy that does this great stuff. I mean, I'm just showing up. But I think that God gives us this opportunity when we say our Father to join Him in His work. There are many ways that you can show your own kids who, you're, who the Father is, but there's also plenty of other people who need to understand what Father or person of dignity means. There's opportunities all over the place to do that. And not to um, throw a guilt trip, but to give a, a platform that you can walk this out, one of those is at Empower. Marty, who goes each week, is going, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a need to just show up, show people what it means to be a person of dignity, show what it means to be a son of the king. Um, another way, if you want to walk this out, it's not only just praying for yourself, that's the Our Father part, right? It's praying for other people. Um, through a thing called Hope for Miamisburg that you'll hear more about as time goes on, um, I met this lady named Pat. She's an awesome, awesome lady. She's retired and probably busier now than she's ever been. And One of the things that she does is she works with women that are incarcerated. And so she has asked me, if I would ask anybody here who wants to sign up to pray, not for a whole hour, you don't have to pray for a whole hour, but during an hour, you pray specifically for 
you don't, you don't know the people's names, but you pray for this weekend, not this weekend coming up, the following weekend, the 20th, 21st, 22nd. You just can sign up for an hour, and during the one-hour time period, you'll pray, and they give you a couple worksheets of things you can pray for. And the reason why is they want these women who are incarcerated, they're going to go to this little conference type thing, and they're going to really hear about this awesome father and how they can be a daughter of the king. And they're just asking that people would pray around the clock, the entire time, every hour of every day that they are there. And so if you are interested in praying for any amount of time during an hour, for the 20th, 21st, or 22nd, come talk to me. Tell me what hour you want, and I'll give you the information. And um, I kind of have already made a couple announcements, so I'm going to make one more. Here's another way you can walk out. Uh, walk this out. Actually, you can't really walk this out. This is totally different. This is, it's not, you can't really even pair them together. We're going to, yeah, join in the work. This Saturday coming up, we are going to do a work day at the building. Um, if you have a chainsaw, if you have pruners, if you have, uh, probably not a lawnmower, if you have a weed whacker, if you have uh, anything, work gloves, come Saturday. And we'll put you to work. And if you don't have any of those things, you can come. You can come. And someone else will bring some of those things. And if you just want to come and watch everybody else work, you can. I prefer you come and work. But um, if you are prone to poison ivy, I almost probably shouldn't even say this, but if you are prone to poison ivy, you may want to wear long sleeves just in case. Right, Hallie? Yep. Uh, but we could really use um, help with that. We had um, the city called on us twice um, because of this area over here. And we want to show that we have an awesome father. And rather than being mad, and there's this part of me, I've talked way too long. There's this part of me that almost when something like that happens, I'm going to be like, I'm just going to leave it just to show them that it doesn't matter. And they're freaking out about the wrong thing. But, but we're not going to do that. We're going to show them. Um, that, that we're, we're good with that. And we're going to clean up that area and a couple other places. So if you're willing to help on Saturday, again, I've talked way too long. When you go to God, go to him as father. Begin to understand more and more what it means to be a son and daughter of the Most High God. Let's pray. Father, you are good. Amen.